<laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's a, you know it's going to be a rough day when. Hey, listen, what, don't you love our kids? And uh, that's, it's so great. And uh, uh, Pastor Verna and all that uh, she does with them, it's just, it's just so neat to see what God is doing in their lives. Uh, we just appreciate them so much as uh, an integral part of our church. I just want to say also to, um, to you folks, uh, thank you to those of you who who said, when we started the series, I said, if you, if you want to, in the dialogue box, if you want to just put commit, and I will get your name, and I will pray for you, pray over you by name. And uh, so it, it's, it's been a joy for me to do that, and I, I just uh, pray that God will be growing all of us in this season as we, as we talk and think about uh, growing up in Christ. We said in talking about grow up, what God's plan for us and his purpose is that we would, we would mature, grow, be strengthened in our faith, and that ultimately would become more and more like Jesus Christ. And uh, we said uh, in the initial meeting uh, uh, of this particular uh, theme that uh, we, we have three inputs that we need into our life to achieve that. We said the first one was a personal commitment. We need, we need to be um, uh, dialed in, zoned in for what God has for us. And uh, so in, these, in this personal commitment, um, I want you to listen to 1 Timothy 4.15. Be diligent. Paul tells Timothy and all the instructions he's given to him, so how he should live his life and, and, and uh, all of those things. He said, be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. See, we're supposed to be progressing spiritually. We're supposed to be um, developing and growing and being strengthened. Um, and, and we need buy-in. We need to say, hey, I'm in for this. I'm going to do uh, what, what God wants me to do. I'm, and uh, there's a little phrase that happens uh, several times in the New Testament. And, and it says this. Here's one example of it, 2 Peter 3.14. So then, dear friends... Since you are looking forward to this, now here's the word, make every effort, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God, in other words. And so this, this little phrase happens over and over again. Make every effort, make every effort. If you aren't invested, if you aren't in, if you aren't doing your part, don't expect God to, to grow you with, without your cooperation. And so we need buy-in from you. <clears throat> Secondly, we need other believers to grow. We, we need people who, uh, who are journeying with us and, and understand that we're a body, we're a family, and we're called to help each other. In fact, the, uh, so often we're, we're compared to a body with all these different parts. And here's what, uh, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, for from him... Uh, that's, that's from Jesus. The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. So if you're not engaging with other believers 
if, you, if they're not pouring into your life and you're pouring, uh, and you're pouring into theirs, if you're not um, uh, helping others, if you're not being helped by others, you're not going to grow the way God intended because he put us in a family, not to be hermits, not to be off by ourselves. We're to connect with each other. Uh, and, um, and the last one we said was, the third one was God. We need God. Um, in uh, Colossians 2.19, it says this. Uh, he's talking about people who have wandered away from the faith. He, lost con- uh, he has lost connection with the head, that's Jesus, from whom the whole body supported and held together uh, by its ligaments and sinews. Okay, so we, the same kind of imagery. Um, but he says this, grows as what? God causes it to grow. You'll have no growth without God. If you've got all the energy that you've put in, that's great. But that won't do anything unless God is doing something in your life. Um, here's what, I, I love what, what uh, Paul says in Philippians. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to ensure, God is is uh, on your team. God is asking you to do some things, and he says, I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna carry this out in your life until the day of Jesus Christ, until the completion, until he comes back again. And uh, I love in the second chapter of Philippians, it says, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So if you're growing in your faith and you're doing your part and you're engaged in community, God will do his part. See, see God will, um, is, is wanting our spiritual growth. He doesn't just say, hey, now uh, I want you to become like Jesus and I know it's tough, but good luck with that and, you know, serenata, goodbye. No way. He, he is invested in our success to being passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, there are many different ways that God pours into our life so that we grow. Uh, he, he guides us. He empowers us. Uh, providentially, he puts people in our path that can help us. Um, he, he has a path that, that he directs you on. He does all of those things. Uh, but there's one thing that he does that you may not be so appreciative of. There's one thing, because he's, he's committed to our growth. But one of the steps, one of the things, one of the tools in God's uh, toolbox for helping us to become that is something like this, it's difficult circumstances in our lives. It can be a part of his program. So suffering and challenges and, and struggles can be part of what God wants to use to help us become all that he wants us to become. And um, sometimes God uses suffering to grow believers. He said, oh man, I wish I didn't come today. This was the wrong day to come to a, for, for a message. But, it, but it's true. The God sometimes uses suffering in our life to grow believers, to grow us, to help us to mature and become all that he wants us to be. And, and so some of you may be zoning out right now. Don't zone out. Don't tune me out here. Um, uh, you, you've heard some Bible teachers kind of maybe tell, you know, you know on, on TV or literature or 
or the internet, and, and they've said, well, you know what, here's, here's the thing. Um, you, you, uh, if you're following God, and if you really believe in him, then your life is going to be like smooth sailing. It's going to be great. It, it, you, you'll, you'll have good health. You'll have good relationships. You'll have uh, prosperity um, in, in all ways. And, and they've got this message for us. But, but when we actually dig into the Bible, we find that that's not actually what God is promising. Um, and so sometimes he's going to use some tough things in our life uh, to help us become what he wants us to become. Now, the Apostle Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, is uh, got a different, uh, difficult uh, series uh, to go through. Here he, here he is writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, and he's telling these guys, uh, he, he's, coming, he's gonna come and see them, but there's a problem with, that they have. Uh, the problem is this. There's some false teachers who've joined in, and they've discredited Paul. Now, Paul was like the parent. He, he, he brought the church into existence. He, he lovingly cared for it. He stayed there for uh, like a year and a half at one point and poured himself into it. And, and then they had these guys who were themselves declared to be apostles, and, and they were making it miserable. They were discrediting Paul. They were saying, he's not a real apostle. He's, he's unimpressive. He's He's puny, he's, oh, he's, a, he's a, a big mouth in his letters and, oh, so macho, but in his, when he's here, he's, he's, he's nothing. And, and so um, Paul decides that he's going to defend himself. And he says, this is stupid, I shouldn't even be doing this, uh, but I'm going to lower myself to, to speak back to these people that were trying to discredit him in the church there. And he says, you know, I've got all the credentials, and I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, but here's, how he, here's how he seeks to hold himself up in, uh, in, in what, he's, what he's doing and who he is. He says, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew. I'm, I'm of the ch- children of Israel. Uh, I, I'm part of God's family. Uh, are they servants of Christ? I'm con- a servant of Christ much more. I've, I've been in prison more frequently, exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers and bandits and from fellow Jews and from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from the false believers. I, I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. Uh, I've been cold and naked and, and the pressure uh, and concern of all the churches I've, I, I face. And who isn't weak? And I'm not weak. I mean, do you, this is Paul bragging. Who's weak and I'm not weak? <laughs> he, he says, who's led into sin and I don't inwardly burn? This doesn't sound like good bragging for him. And if I must boast, I'll boast of things that show my weaknesses. And God, and uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be praised forever. And, and he says, and when I left Damascus, um, I, I left Damascus by having some guys at night because the, the governor was going to try and capture me and so at night, they lowered me in a basket down from the city wall, and I snuck away. Sound like a hero? Weakness. 
you know, uh, uh, running for his life, not, not this brave hero. And, and, and Paul, it's confusing that, that Paul has all this really negative stuff um, in his life, and, and he's bragging on that. And, um, and, and so here, here he is. He's a loser in the world's eyes. I mean, he's not a winner. He's gone from jail cell to jail cell, naked, hungry, thirsty, um, all of the things that happened to him, beaten, beaten over and over again. And, and Paul, um, Paul, at the same time, had this incredible experience that happened 14 years before this event. I mean, it, it, was, it was something that was so amazing um, that, uh, let me just get on the right here. It, it, it's, it's so amazing uh, that Paul has this um, no-tell trip to heaven that he experiences. And, and what happens to him here is, is he was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the first heaven is the atmosphere. That's where the, the birds fly. The second heaven is uh, where the sun and the moon and the planets and the stars are. And the third heaven is the abode of God. And he says, this happened to me. He said, I, uh, I, was, I was transported into the presence of God in the third heaven. I, was, I saw things, I heard things, things that, uh, that uh, I, I can't even talk about. And when he talks about this experience, he, he talks about it in the third person. So here, here's this guy, and he's not saying, I, I, I. He says, I know this guy. He's talking about himself. And he says, he says this. He said, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I'll go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ, that's Paul, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. And uh, he heard in inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I'll boast about a man like that, but I'll not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I, re but I refrain so no one will think of me more than is warranted by what I do or say. He, he, he said he had this incredible experience and he couldn't tell anybody. You know, when, when something that happens, you know, it's, you're just itching. You're, you've got this great desire to, to, to tell about it. I mean, this is something that, that was incredible. Um, who had that, that privilege? Hardly anybody would ever have a privilege like that. And it happened for Paul 14 years ago, and it was, it was as important and as, as uh, touching in his life as, as possible. And, and so he can't tell anybody, though. I mean, if you want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Paul, you fake apostles who are trying to call him out, uh, you know, he can say, well, uh, in terms of bragging, uh, how many of you have been caught up into the presence of God in heaven? And, you know, nobody could rival that. And yet that's exactly what Paul is doing. Uh, he's, he's there. And, and Paul had this privilege, as I said, that, that no one would ever 
one. I mean, if this got out, he would be in every media outlet going. Uh, we have uh, Saul of Tarsus with us. Saul, tell us, you were caught up into heaven. What did you see? To all? I mean, he would be doing the circuit. And yet he says, there's this guy I know, and he was caught up, and, and he just plays it down. It was so profoundly impacting in his life. But with this came a danger. And here was the danger. The danger was this. He, he might believe the press clippings about himself. He may become so ensconced in his own uh, greatness and what he's done and what he's accomplished. And, and, and God understands that. Um, God understands that his experience was actually dangerous for him in that he could become conceited. He could become, hey, look at me. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you want to argue with me? I've been to heaven. I, I have seen the face of God. I've been, I've been to where he is. And, and, and uh, what, what a terrible position, that, what a terrible danger he's potentially in. And, and um, I, want to, uh, I want to show you that God's reaction to this. He, he had this, this uh, thorn. God's, this is God's gracious and protective thorn. You say, well, wh what do you mean? Well, he says this. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, this is, uh, this is a, a mindful. Here is Paul. Um, he, he has this incredible privilege, but with this privilege comes the danger of pride of conceit, of, of self-sufficiency. And, and so God says to protect him, he had a thorn in his flesh. I think what that means is there was something that was plaguing him in his flesh. I think it was a physical thing. Um, and and uh, whatever it was, uh, and, and there have been a lot of uh, speculation as to what was this thorn in the flesh. And, and he, says, he says this, with all these guesses, whatever it was, it was something that was painful. It was something that was debilitating. It was something that would keep him from being able to serve God as fully as he thought he might want to. And, uh, and uh, it's something in which he could take bragging rights. And Paul was plagued by this. And, uh, and as I said, we, we don't know what it is. And I, I think there's a reason we don't know what it is. Because, so that we can relate to him. Because you may have a thorn in your flesh. You may have something that you're dealing with that, that's difficult for you. Uh, you, may something, you may have something that you despise in your life. It, it could be something like a battle with depression. And you, you're, you're in this pit and you can't seem to get out of it. And it's painful and it's debilitating. Um, it, it may be something like arthritis or something that has, has got you uh, so, so uh, debilitated that you can't function the way you want to. And you say, oh, I would love to be able to do this and that and the other thing, but I'm incapable of doing that. Uh, it, it, so many things that it could be. And, and you may say, you know, when, when we talk about this, you say, ah, I know what my thorn in the flesh is. I know what I'm facing. I know what I'm struggling with. And, and uh, I, think, I think God did this so that we could identify with Paul in our own issues and problems that we have. And Paul had this specific um, 
ailment. And God, in his wisdom, caused this to happen. Well, in fact, it's interesting. There was danger, we said, for Paul, the threat of getting sidetracked, the peril of conceit, and all of the accolades that he would receive, the press clippings, and, and all the rest of that. I, I need to tell you that in, in my, my time in training for ministry, I'm with, with a, a number of people who are training to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, as I think over so many of the names, I can think of probably seven or eight people that went through with, with, uh, school the same time I did. And some of them failed morally. They blew out of ministry. And, and, and it's, you know, God was concerned for, for Paul because Paul could blow out. Paul could uh, leave everything that he had, he had uh, seen and heard and, and, and chased uh, after. And, and many, uh, many a minister and pastors and, and Christian leaders have fallen uh, because they began to get away from God. Uh, they weren't trusting in God. And, and here's the thing. God wants to make us all. He wants to, to bring us to the point of growing and maturing. He's invested himself in that. And, and, and to protect us sometimes, he may use problems and difficulties and trials and struggles. This could be a problem for some of us because if you, if you see what he says in there, he said there was a messenger of Satan to torment him. Whoa, excuse me? Satan brought this thorn into Paul's life. And you say, well, well, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't sound right. What, what is Satan doing? He's trying to um, immobilize. He, he's trying to um, cause him to be discouraged. He's going to try and hard, uh, uh, push him in a wrong direction to make, to make following God and to make serving God uh, something. And, and we're asking the question, whoa, 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 whoa. Does, does God allow Satan to run roughshod over his children? And, and does that mean that Satan has more power than, can't God stop Satan? What's the deal with that? No, here, here it is. You see, God can even use Satan's attack for his purpose. You're going, well, like that sounds weird. God can do whatever he wants. God is still sovereign. And see, sometimes we think, well, I don't know, I, I, I prayed and God isn't seeming to do things, so maybe God isn't capable of that, or maybe Satan is stopping him. No, no way. God is absolutely sovereign. And, 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 and this problem that came up it happened through the permission of God. You know, God, Satan cannot do anything without the permission of God. We see that in Job. When Job says, uh, uh, here's the deal, here's the deal. Job says to, or God says to Satan, you can, you can see my, my man Job and there's nobody like him who follows me and nobody as righteous as he is. And, and, um, and, and Satan says, well, yeah, but look at Job. 
Uh, look at, I would, I would do, I'd do that too if you blessed me like he did and God said, all right, you can touch him, but you, you can touch what he has, but you can't touch him. You see, Satan can only do what is, he can't go beyond what God would allow, and he can take the things that, that we would say they're harmful, they're hurtful, and turn them out for good. Paul wanted to shut out uh, this encumbrance. He wanted the pain and the frustration to be gone. He wanted no more disability. He wanted what, uh, what he, he was frustrated with the situation and with God. And so what he does is what we would do. Uh, he prays. He prays. Um, Paul's unanswered prayer. In, in, uh, in uh, verse 8, he says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. Three times I said to the Lord, I can't hack this. I, please take it away. Now, I, let, me, let me suggest to you, if anybody knew how to pray, if anybody knew how to touch the heart of God and see things, certainly it was Paul. He was no stranger to prayer. He was mighty in prayer. He could touch the heart of God and receive requests that, that he would make. I mean, he cast out demons in prayer. He did extraordinary miracles. I mean, he, he even had these uh, sweat claws that when he was working, and, and people would take those claws, and if they touched the, 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 claw, uh, the cloth, um, they would be healed. It, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I mean what God did through this man was, was incredible. Uh, he healed a man who had been crippled from birth. He even brought back a person from the dead. Uh, you know, and, and so here's a guy who could pray, and he prays to God. God, take it away. And he was not going to take no for an answer from God because he thought, I'll, I'll, I'll plead again. God, take it away. He was persistent in prayer. He was believing. He was begging. He was pleading. He was imploring with God, please take it away. Take it away for me. And three times he's, he does. There's urgency. And God said, no, I'm not going to take it away. God's answer was not what Paul had bargained for. And, and God, we look at God's gracious provision and protection. See, God understood something about the danger that Paul was in. He understood how he could be hurt. And, and in, in verse um, nine, um, he, says, he says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power can rest on me. He said, you know, God said, I'm not going to do it. Have you, have you ever prayed and pleaded with God for something. You've wept over it. Uh, you, you've prostrated yourself on the floor. And you said, God, would you do it? Do it. I can't take it anymore. And nothing happens. And you think, well, maybe prayer doesn't work. Maybe God isn't what he says he is. Maybe, maybe he won't help us the way we, we wish he would. And, and all of those would be wrong. It's, it's not take, he's not going to take it away. He's not going to relieve him of that. He says, instead, I'm going to give you grace, and my grace is going to be sufficient for you. See, he's, Paul, if you've got a problem that's this big, I got 
grace for all of that. If you've got a problem that's this big, he says, I've got grace that will cover for that. He said, you need, to, you need to trust my grace. You need to go and serve me that I'll supply you what you need. My grace will be sufficient for you. And, and he goes on and he says, my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, when, when I see weakness, I can pour my power into that person. But, but if it's a person that figures they don't need me, they're strong, they're brilliant, they're bright, they're, they're determined. Uh, if, if I have people like that, I, I, can't, I can't work with them. I need people who are weak. I need people who are dependent. And he says, I delight in taking and doing for those people what they, could, what they can't do themselves. And in, through, in and through that, only, only God gets the glory because it certainly couldn't be, uh, it couldn't be the, the vessel. Paul then is going to boast, not in his gifting, not in his abilities, not in his successes, not in his accolades, not in all the things and all the churches he's built and all the letters he's written and all of that, how God has used him. No, he, he, he's not that. He, he's going to boast about his weakness. His weakness says all of the things when these other guys are trying to be such hot shots and here he is and he says, I'll tell you, what I've got to brag on nothing. All I've got are weaknesses. But in his weakness, grace is sufficient. In his, in his weakness, his power is perfected. And, and, and so this revolutionized his thinking. He does an absolute 180 on this, a turnaround, a new attitude. He understands now what God is doing. And uh, so Paul's This is his new attitude towards his thorn. He says, get rid of this stinking, stupid thing. It's wrecking my life. It's hurting me. It's holding me up. I could be such a great, uh, such a, a better uh, servant of, of you. And, and no, he's, he's not at that point now. Now he has a, a different attitude. He says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. Do you boast in that kind of stuff, Paul? That's crazy. What kind of sane person would say, well, you know, I, I delight in weaknesses and insults and uh, in hardships and persecutions and difficulties? Why? Because he said, I, I, I now understand why This, this is the way it is. It's this now. I can, I can brag with joy. I can, I, I can delight in all of these things that are hurtful to me. How is that? Because God can pour his power and grace into my life. And I can do things that I would never have been able to do if I was just relying on myself. Isn't that incredible? God pours his grace and power. See, the thing that may be disturbing you, the thing may be hurting you, the thing that you're praying to God, take it away, take it away, easy on that, because it may be that God has a purpose for that, that he wants to grow you, that he wants to pour his power into you and use you. I want to tell you, uh, I want to tell you about a person by the name of Karen. Um, Karen was the youngest of three children, come from uh, Windsor, Ontario. And, uh, she, you know, precious little girl, when she hit about uh, five years of age, she was, uh, 
she was diagnosed with juvenile arthritis. By the time she hit 13, she was now spending a lot of time in a wheelchair. She now had osteoarthritis. You can imagine her mom and dad had to put her socks and shoes on. Uh, for some of that time, she, she existed in a, uh, a wheelchair. Um, by the time she's 18, uh, she had two hip replacements. She would go on to having two knee replacements on top of that. But as a young, as a young gal, she was in a missions conference, and she was touched by the Lord that she should be a missionary, and not just a missionary, but a missionary to people who have not had the opportunity of hearing, to the, to the least reached people. And uh, what, what would happen was, you, you can imagine mom and dad, hey, this is your youngest precious daughter who, whose body is racked with pain and difficulty, and she wants to be a missionary. And in fact, the area that she wanted to go to was Central Asia. And to reach a, a people group there that had so little exposure to the gospel, and she was burdened for this. And her parents are thinking, like, I can't let my daughter go like that. Well, she began to train. In fact, my, our oldest daughter was uh, at, at Heritage College when Karen was there and working on a Master of Divinity. And uh, <laughs> she ended up going to a, a country in Central Ch uh, Asia. And, and it was interesting um, and, and fascinating. Here is this little mite of a gal. She's, uh, she's not a big, uh, a big person. Um, and, and she is, is heading to this place. Now, for some of her time there, she couldn't get an apartment that was uh, less than the fifth uh, level. There, it was a, it was, none of the apartments in this area had uh, any kind of uh, elevator. So she would have to struggle to get up to the fifth floor and get down. Um, she would study the language of that area. Uh, she would uh, go and, and um, teach English. And she did something, this, this little mite uh, got another person who was a, a mission-oriented person, and they started a business of baby food. And she became, uh, she became the food production manager in this plant. And, and she's pouring out her heart. And, and uh, say, how, how do you do this? I mean, she would sometimes go up seven floors to meet somebody, to share with them, to befriend them, to share Jesus with them. It, it was in, incredible. Well, she had to come home with covid and uh, she's, she's been at home, and she, she's just itching to get back. Um, she needs still her both shoulders to be replaced. She needs another hip replacement for the one that was done before, and her voice is going. Her voice was so soft when I talked to her on the phone. Yes, and, and she says, I, I, that may exclude me from teaching uh, English. But when I asked about how, how is she going to do this, here was her answer. He is all I need. He is all I need. And, and what do I have to offer? 
I've got a slight frame. I've, I've got the bones of an 80-some-year-old. Uh, I, I just have a heart because I believe God calls me to share the good news of Jesus with others. And her parents have been so supportive. They're trying to figure out how they can get her back there. God, God had to, to deal with parents. Put yourself in that position. Would you send your kid with those disabilities that far away where there's not the same kind of health care and all that we, we kind of had? She embraced her weakness and God poured his grace and his strength and his power into her life. And I just, I just feel so humbled when I talk to her and when I see what God is doing through her and, and for her, she's just like, you, you do what you can. If God, if God asks you to do it, you do it. And she embraced that. Her power is being perfected in weakness. See, you want to be like Jesus Christ. If you want to be like Jesus Christ, you need to understand he lived a life of weakness. I mean, here's the, here's the, uh, the, the creator of the world. And <laughs> what's he doing? Um, he's being born like a baby in a manger. He's hanging on a cross while, while people deride him and mock him. He, through weakness, secured our salvation. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you, you have that you say, God, take it away, take it away, take it away, and God is not taking it away, and you're wondering, is God even hearing me? It may be that the, the thing that you want to get rid of, the thing that you want to divest yourself of, may be the very thing that God will use to touch you to pour his power and grace into you and use you in ways that you never could have imagined. That is, that's a reality. And when you want to grow and when you want to become all that God wanted you to become, it may be that that process of growth will require you having some kind of a thorn yourself. And, and, and may I challenge you that for Paul, the thing that he hated most became the most precious thing to him. And the thing that you may hate the most will become most precious to you because through that, God can pour his power and grace into Romans 8, 28, I, I hang my life on this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the, uh, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We know, we have assurance, he says, that in all things, in everything, the good things, the tough things, the, the difficult things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his, uh, his purpose. I, I, I've, I've like, like so many of you, I've gone through difficult and tough times in my life. And, and I've, I've had to hang my life on this verse, that God is in control, not Satan, that God uh, has a purpose and plan. And, and whether it's good or bad in my life, he is working for my good and, uh, because I'm his child. And my prayer for you is that you would find that grace and that empowerment through something as unlikely as a thorn that you want to get rid of. Let's pray. 
our Father. We're so touched by what Paul went through, and yet his desire, uh, you, sh- you changed and shaped. You, you worked in him so that the thing that he despised was the thing that became precious to him. The thing that could cause him trouble and was dangerous and could send him off track and off course, you protected him from through pain and suffering. And he did far more than he would ever have done without that thorn in the flesh. And so, Father, I pray for us as some of us may be struggling with and having a difficult time with with a thorn in our life. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that sometimes these thorns come from you and they come for a purpose and they come that we might be open, that we might be filled that we might have your grace poured into our life and that your power would be poured into us so that we can be more usable for you. So Father, help us as we come to grips with what this passage means and what it means for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.